0: All right, welcome to the first-of-its-kind, world-changing Manufacturers Network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the Manufacturers Network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited to introduce our guest today, Vince Sassano. Vince is the CEO of Strategic Performance Company, SPC, a leading provider of software and consulting services that enable manufacturers to increase throughput, grow profitability, and permanently improve workplace culture, one of my very favorite things to talk about. So Vince, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. So share with us a little bit about your background and what led you to doing what you're doing with SPC. Okay. I am a degreed computer engineer
1: and have been involved in manufacturing and consulting for, gosh, over over 30 years. A lot of my experience with manufacturers came with installing and maintaining ERP systems. And I own a business with my partners on that. I subsequently sold that business and focused specifically on the plant floor because I felt that there was a tremendous need and an area where technology could really help. And this would have been this would have been back in the 90s when I did this. And so when I made that shift, I was able to utilize my technological talents in a lot better fashion in conjunction with my consulting talents, and that's how it all got started.
0: Okay? So when it comes to workplace culture, when it comes to manufacturing, of course, their quality is a big thing. and We have to make sure that we're delivering on time, supply chain, but workplace culture is definitely the thing that makes it all happen. What do you think are some of the things that manufacturers should do to improve their organizational culture? I think one of the first things that they should
1: do is really – review their organizational structure, and see if they're just simply talking about the same issues over and over and not really changing, or are they really in a place where they can foster good communication from the front line all the way up to the front office?
0: And how would they get started? I mean, or how would they know that there's a problem?
1: The simple answer there is data. You have to have some form of information about what's actually happening and really numbers are the best place to do it. I come from the area or I come from the culture a long time ago where the best way was what we used to call MBWA, which is management by walking around Right. and the plant manager and the supervisors would walk out on the floor and just look and see if they had a good day or a bad day based on stacks and piles and where they think they ought to be. And then at the end of the day, they would just really use just gut feel. Yeah, we had a good day. Yeah, we had a bad day. How do you really know? How do you really know unless you're performing some form of empirical measurement on what's really happening?
0: Yeah. And I still think data, of course, is very important, but just by walking around and seeing not only the piles, but uh, looking at your employees' faces, are they hiding from you when you're walking through the plant? Are they smiling and greeting you? So I think when it comes to workplace culture that still even though we haven't officially, we don't officially talk about it as much as we used to with the MBWA, I believe it's still a critical component of assessing a company's workplace culture. Oh, I agree 100%. The people that are on the front line,
1: first and foremost, they want to matter and they want to know that they matter. And if you have a culture that fosters that, then you have a better opportunity of not having that be a hindrance when it comes to performance. And you can see that when you are out on the floor. You can see if, um, I I was told once by a management consultant, I was reading one of his books and he said, the best sign of a well-run plant is everybody walking around calmly because everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing and nobody's running around, you know, with their hair on fire? The best indication of a poorly run plant is everybody's running around like a chicken with their head cut off. They just, yep, everything is everything. They go from crisis to crisis. And that you can see on your employees' faces. You can see if they're struggling, you can see if they're in crisis mode. And that will give you an indication of the fact that there, there's an issue there. Um, But then you'll need to bring the data in to try to figure out, okay, why is this happening and what can we do about it? Do we need more labor on the line? Do we need to change some machinery out? Is there a, a piece of machinery that's a real struggle? I can tell you from experience on the back end of the line, if there's a problem with the case taper or the case packer, which is usually the end of the line in a lot of the companies that I work with, that's a struggle. That just... Because that's the very last thing that they need working before they can palletize it and ship it off. And really starting at the back end of the line and moving up forward, looking at the employees and how they're doing. Yeah, that's going to be a big indication of what's really going on.
0: Yeah, and also making sure that you have current data. Because like I like to say in my programs, we are not going back to the good old days of 2019 after the pandemic, our priorities have changed. That level of connection has changed. Everything has really changed. And there's an expectation for things that in manufacturing, we would have never thought about before. Flexibility, shortened work days, having shifts like the mom shift from Mm -hmm. 10 to So just making sure that you're realizing that data needs to be accurate and constantly talking to your employees to find out where they are and what resources they need. And I really like that analogy of starting at the back of the line and working backwards.
1: Yeah. And I can share with you that when it comes to cross-training, it was never more important than during the COVID Mm -hmm. days. Being able to have people that are multifaceted and you can move them around, not only from line to line, but from different parts of the line. And we have, one of our customers actually has a a compensation program where one of the components is, are you useful and trained on multiple machines? Do you want to Mm. learn how to run this machine and run that machine? And that's the way the employees can then help control their own destiny when it comes to that. And if you think about it, manufacturing was the only industry with COVID that you can't mail in.
0: Right. How how can you make your products remotely? Exactly. You can't. (laughs) No. And when it comes to cross-training too, you think about it, that you may have your employees in one part of the plant or an employee in one part of the plant. And when you cross-train that person in another plant, it lights them up. And we discover that, hey, we have the right person on board, but maybe they're in the wrong seat on the bus. And it gives us the opportunity to really cater to that employee to find out what they're best at, what they like doing, because we have a much better chance of keeping them that way.
1: Yeah. And one of the big things that we have as a corporate ethos and will never drop as long as I'm sitting in this chair is that people matter. Absolutely. People matter. And unless you have a fully automated line where stem to stern and it's 100% robotics, And your quality and your efficiency and everything is all computer generated. If you don't have that, then people are always going to matter. And quite frankly, that's the type of people that we excel with and we work best with because that's where the culture really matters the most because you can really, there is no culture with a machine. It's culture is people and it's how the people work together and
0: interact. So what are you seeing as far as some of the triggers for manufacturers when they need to consider change or continuous improvement for their workplace culture? They're obviously, they're feeling some pain
1: and they've had some type of event happen, financial hiccup, loss of a key customer, some turnover. Something has happened that has given them a little bit of a kick in the pants. I can tell you a story about a, a prospect that we were working with. They had, they made all of the seats, leather seats for John Deere. Like they mm. had the, the exclusive on it, but it wasn't an exclusive contract. It was just, we've been working with these people for 35 years. And it turns out they had a problem with the machine and they had a problem with the operator. And through a series of events, they ended up missing some shipments. And it really affected John Deere a lot. And they said, listen, I hate to do this to you, but we cannot have you as our only supplier anymore. We're going to have to take Mm -hmm. you out for bid. And boy, was that a wake up call for them because they had been doing good for decades. And then all of a sudden, they had a problem. They didn't have any provisions for backup. And they did end up losing a significant portion of the business because, from John Deere's perspective, they just could not afford that liability. And a lot of people, especially in the manufacturing industry, don't necessarily think about what are we going to do if something goes wrong? Especially when something hasn't ever gone wrong. Yeah, that's not. Contingencies are becoming more and more, especially with the COVID situation, contingencies are becoming more and more important. And so it's usually some event that happens.
0: And it seems that we pay attention to things when it's either going really well or something terrible has happened. But when things are just going along swimmingly and the day-to-day, we just take that for granted instead of continuing to have those conversations and recognizing and acknowledging people for doing their job, doing it well, and keeping things running smoothly And when we get away from that, where it sounds like with that particular company, maybe they got a little lax, maybe they got a little complacent because they'd had the business for so long that they assumed that they would have it forever. And that just doesn't happen if you're not paying attention. They would have had it forever had
1: there not been a problem. Exactly. Nothing would have changed. There's one of our customers that does something that I really like when it comes to this this concept of weaving culture and technology and data and people, they always set on an annual and on a quarterly basis, two things. They set a goal for their productivity and they set a stretch goal. Okay. And they say, okay, here's what we want you to hit. But if you hit that, here's what we really want you to hit. And it really helps combat complacency. And that's what you're what you're talking about is you just get stuck in the same old, same old, and everything's running fine. And there's really no incentive for what if we tweak the machine up a little bit? What if we get it going a little bit faster? What if we kick it up one bag a minute? Is everything going to blow up or are we going to see any problems that, that come up? And having that stretch goal is really something that has encouraged the culture to continue to expand on an incremental basis. You're not trying to double your productivity in one day, but you are trying to say, okay, we've hit our goal for the quarter, the first four weeks in a row. What what do we do now? Let's take a look at the stretch goal. And I really have to commend the VP of management and the president of that particular company for coming up with that concept of being able to do that. Because then it really gets, you, gets to know what are the limits of your organization.
0: And then how are they getting the buy-in from the people on the line? Because obviously you want to meet your goals and then there's the stretch goals, but there's got to be some kind of reward for the employees or getting their input or doing something so that they still feel that they're valued and they're willing to put in that extra effort that we hear so much about the quiet quitters that don't. Mm-hmm. So how are the what is this management team doing to get their employees to be excited about these stretch goals as well as meeting the regular goals? There's three different components
1: to it. It's not every department, I think most of the departments have a stretch goal, but some of them, the first thing they do is they educate. They educate the people on the front line what management is trying to accomplish and how they're trying to accomplish it with regards to trying to meet a particular goal. And then the second thing that they do is they give them access to information and data about how well they're doing and what they could do to improve. What are their primary issues that are presenting are hindering them from being more productive. So there's a communication that goes on there. And so the employees feel part of the process because they're mm-hmm. part of the communication. And then the third thing is they've implemented in some areas of their company, a pay for performance model that where the employee can see a direct benefit to wanting to reach the stretch goal. So if, for example, reaching 85% efficiency on their line puts them at a level two employee which then has this particular pay scale if they get to 90% that might bump them up to level 3.
0: Okay.
1: Now, productivity is not the only component. There's quality, there's safety, there's cross-training, there's so many other components that they've added into that paper performance model, but still the employee understands what the important the importance of efficiency is and productivity to themselves. They get it because they've bought, they bought into the system because they understand the system and the education is the first step.
0: And so as far as when they do reach the goals, is celebration a part of it? And how do they do that?
1: I Celebration, yeah. Celebration happens really on a shift by shift and a day by day and a week by week basis, because what they do is they take their information and they post it on the board. There it's you go, right there, where all the employees walk into the locker room and they can see all the productivity and efficiencies and downtimes and all the issues and charts going up and down and sideways and all that kind of stuff. And so they make it very, vis- very visible for the employees. And then in the meetings that they have, the daily production meetings, the weekly production meetings, the monthly trend meetings, they talk about the stuff that they post and what's going on. And it's really in those meetings where the employees and the dissemination of that information they really feel part of the team. Even if they're not in the meeting, they know that their boss is in the meeting. And the boss says, Hey, I just met with the shift supervisor or the plant manager, and he's really happy about what we've been able to do on these particular lines with these products and let's keep it up. Good job. And by the way, Here's some of the struggles that we've had, but here's what we're going to do about it. And just a really a lot of open communication. But this communication can only happen because they're speaking a common language. And they have to speak a common language.
0: And that level of transparency that you just shared is so important because some companies think that I don't want to overwhelm my employees, or if things aren't going well, I don't want to scare them or whatever it is. But if you lay, if they know that you are laying everything out and being transparent, good times, bad times, everything in between, because if you went through a a good time and then things start getting bad, your employees are much more likely to say, what if we try this? What if we try this? Because it's like, they know their jobs, better than their managers know their job so just when managers are transparent it trickles all the way down that employees are much more willing to share absolutely absolutely
1: and when you've got people on the front line every day they know what's happening better than anybody else because they're there for their entire shift to doing whatever task it is and it's very important that as i said before they feel that they matter And that information trickle down and that transparency, I agree 100%, is very important. I would say that I don't think information dissemination is not done because they're worried about overwhelming the employees. They can take on a lot more than people think that they can. And you really shouldn't limit somebody's capability based on the position that they're in. You should limit their capability based on what they're capable of. And so it's really that stick factor. That's more of a an issue because the managers are afraid to share the information because they think the employees are going to feel they're going to get beat up with that information. So they mm-hmm. don't share it. Or the employees are afraid that if they say what's really going on, it's going to be a stick and that they're going to get beat up by it. And that is a hurdle, but it can be overcome. Sure. And the way you overcome that hurdle is through education, but not just educating on the what, educating on the why. Why are we doing this? What is it that we're trying to accomplish here? It's that type of transparency that I think is a tremendous boost to culture. Tremendous. And
0: I think that's one of the ways to really make sure that you are keeping your more tenured employees relevant because they understand the history, they understand the why, and it's up to them to share that passion with maybe the newer people that are coming in that don't have that same level of history and background so that they can more fully understand the why and have that same level of passion Passion that your more tenured employees have.
1: Oh, I agree. And when the tenured employees are at their position or they're walking around or they're in the lunchroom, they just carry themselves differently because they know that they have achieved and earned a certain amount of status uh, and they garner respect from management because they're very useful and they garner respect from their peers and the people that work on the line with them because these people know that this guy's been around a while and he knows what he's doing. And that's where the cross-training and the information dissemination is important. I'll tell you a a small story. One of our customers was having a problem with a can labeler and they were noticing through their information that it consistently ran better on first shift than second shift. First shift was 85, 90%. Second shift was down in the seventies. And I pointed that out on some of the reports and I'm like, why is that? So I went to the guy on the line and he was like, oh yeah, I developed this little technique that the machine sticks. And if I just have a little bit of a ruler and when it sticks, I just poke it, keeps things running really smooth. Second shift guy had no knowledge of that. So Mm. I went to the manager and I told him that. And the manager said, that's an easy fix. I'll just have the first shift guy stay late and the second shift guy come in early and he can show him what he's doing. And that happened like the next day. And when he showed him what he was doing, the second shift guy was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I have this problem all the time. I didn't know what to do. And it's those little nuggets of information. That unless you have that culture that encourages that type of cross-communication, or you have a reporting system that can point that stuff out where you can ask the question why, that's when things can really pay dividends.
0: Absolutely. I know you have a background in technology. And so what are you seeing as far as using technology with change management to improve the organization's culture?
1: What I'm seeing is that the more you can interweave technology with people, not the opposite, which would be people with technology, the more permanent things are going to be. An Mm. example of that is you want to provide useful data for people that have a reason, not say to the people, okay, here's the data we have make it useful. So we recently finished a project with a customer and we were able to link some of their production data with some of their real-time data collection on directly off of their machines and their PLCs. And they wanted it for a particular reason. They explained to us what the reason was and we're like, that's good enough for us. Let's see if we can do it. So we engaged in that project and just completed it a couple days ago and they couldn't be happier. And it wasn't because they didn't have access to the information, it was that we made it easier for them to access the information, process the information in their heads, and take action. That we give them one, basically a one-click solution to data that they already had. And that's an example of making the technology work for people, not making people work for the technology. And that's the interwovenness. That right there, permanent culture change permanent culture change because now they have that visibility and now they can act on it and people will go, wow, that's, I didn't know that. That's really good. And it just, it builds on itself. So you start with small wins and then you work your way up. This happened to be a pretty advanced win, but it's still a win because it's built on other wins.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you're going through this, how do you objectively measure your operational and organizational improvements?
1: Our philosophy has always come from one of the books, World Class Manufacturing, where we use a basic formula to help people establish what we call TMAX or theoretical MAX, which is really just another word for efficiency. And that is the primary indicator. When it comes to manufacturing, it's a pretty simple formula. You got a start time, a stop time. How long did you run and how much did you make? And then you have a target on what you should have done. Okay. And that's it. It doesn't really get any more complicated than that. Where the complication comes into play is, okay, how do you track it? How do you store it? How do you make that information available to the people at the various levels that needs to be available? And that's where the technology portion of our system comes into play. We got two halves. We got the culture half, and then we've got the the database technology half. And we help people. We help them marry those two.
0: Okay. Juan, as we're starting to get to the end of our time together, what do you consider some best practices for successful and permanent cultural change?
1: Oh, that's a a great question. That's a great question. I I would say that some of the best practices would be you have to start somewhere and getting a really big indication of where you're at and an honest assessment of where you're at is probably one of the best practices that you can implement. One of the things that we noticed, and this is going back years, is that we were talking to a prospect at the time. And they thought that they were just knocking it out of the park because every quarter, every month, every year, they were producing more pounds. And that's great. Let's apply some math to this and figure out how well you're doing. And what they found out is that they were really going from 35% efficiency to 45% efficiency. And they're like, we're terrible. We went from terrible to less
0: terrible. But
1: they didn't know it. They didn't know it. Right. One of the best practices that you can have is really just getting a, a really good assessment of where you're at. And then from there, you can start to build on okay, what is it that you think you need and start looking at various areas of the business.
0: And then how do you work with your clients? Like, what would be a good indication that it would be worth having a conversation with you?
1: They have a need. They have a need, they have something that either a problem they can't solve or an issue that's recurring, or maybe they're going to be going through some some growth and they don't know or they don't feel that they have the capacity to be able to handle it. And in all those areas, that'd be a great way for people to engage with us because we can help bring our many years of expertise to the table. And then also bring some some math to the table and say, okay, here's what we see. At this point, all manufacturers have some data. Right. It may not be great data. It may not be the best data, but they got something. And so that's really the place to start. And if they really don't have any data, then we go down on the floor and do some time studies. And we say, okay, this is what this is doing this line with this product is that a good day, a bad day, or a medium day. And that's where we start to delve into, you know, what is their culture for being able to assess whether they're doing well or not. It's not always about the data, but it's not always about how you feel. And it's striking that balance where people get the benefit. And when they're having an imbalance, that's when they talk to us. There's an imbalance.
0: If somebody did want to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Just go to our website,
1: www.3dspc.com. And I've got all the information there. Or you can find me, Vince Asano, on LinkedIn. We also have an SPC page on LinkedIn. And that's really the best way to, to find us. And we'd be more than happy to talk to you.
0: All right. Wonderful. Vince, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a great conversation. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturer's Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturer's Network Podcast. Do me a favor and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow this network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either send your buddies to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the Manufacturers Network podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow the network, the stronger and deeper the community will all have. Thanks again, and I appreciate you.